Hey everybody, it's uh, Ricky with RockCon here, and I am meeting with or talking with Tony, uh, Tony Pence, um, who uh, you may know uh, from used to be or still is. Is Deep Sleep still a thing? I don't know if that's still a thing. Well, Deep Sleep never broke up. We we stopped playing because uh, Nick, our guitar player, moved to California. All right, all He's right, still out there and. Uh, Oh, is it a little? You got a puppy behind you there? Uh, yeah, there, there'll be dogs moving in and out of this. It's raining outside, so uh, they're they're a little uh, scared of the storm. The the, the biggest yeah. baby's at my feet, shaking right now. Oh, that's cute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Nick Nick moved to L.A. We did a tour of Europe, and right after we got back, Nick moved to L.A. And um, Derek kind of got uh, absorbed into Nightbirds for the next okay. ensuing years. It looks like they just played their last show, but he had been in Nightbirds for a while. <clears throat> and um, Mike Stearns was living in, uh, I believe he's in Gettysburg, PA. So we're kind of scattered about, and uh, we haven't played or practiced in quite some time, but I would I would hazard a guess to say that we're never actually broken up. Uh, if somebody was like, hey, play a show and put us all in the same room, we would probably do it. That's fantastic. But uh, but yeah, it's just been inactive, I guess. For Perfect. I mean, that's, uh, that's how bands should be, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, I actually met you a different way, and uh, one of the things I like to throw out there is, do you remember how we met? And it's okay if you don't. You're gonna okay. yeah, throw it, throw it, throw it at me. Please. I do. I do. Uh, I we I was on in a band touring, and we were playing Charm City Art Space, and uh, my friend Ryan Zavishlock said, uh, "You got to check out this record store," and he took us into Celebrated Summer. And you had a skip loader seven inch. Ah, skip loader, yeah. Uh, and we had a conversation about uh, just obscure mainstream, like that kind of when that rush on indie rock on alternative bands was going on. Those bands that just kind of the discount band been bands that never made it. And yeah, for sure, it's some of my favorite stuff. Uh, me and and Nick Vance from Deep Sleep and uh, Alex from Grave Mistake Richmond, and mm -hmm. uh, some other friends. Uh, we were very fond of those bands, and yeah, we just basically refer to them as like, you know, it was basically like dollar bin dropout bands. Like, they signed to a major label, you know what I mean? They're yeah. quite good bands, signed to a major label, and they were basically dumped before the record ever officially came out. So you would see promo CDs in the in the dollar bin, you know, $1 yeah. promo CDs everywhere, but never like an actual legitimate release or if there was a legitimate release it was you know it just didn't really yeah. didn't really catch on or whatever but some incredible bands and yes skip loader uh that record in can through string i probably yeah. have it back here somewhere on vinyl which one of the rare ones that actually is on vinyl um yeah you know i mean that one actually got pressed it's uh it's white vinyl right if i remember it is white yeah. vinyl. Yeah, i've got that in mind my record collection's down two stories down from here. So, uh, uh, but uh, so we met. Um, I, it's been that I haven't been in a band in uh, a, a long time, so I don't remember how long ago it was. But uh, you know, uh, then we became internet acquaintances, uh, and I have uh, you know just been following you, and I, I've been started doing this. And I was like, hey, I reached out, and you said you'd do this, and I'm excited. So yeah, of course, uh, of course, always glad to chat about Skip Loader. Yeah, uh, the yeah. All, the All Skip Loader uh, podcast, wherever those guys are, they can uh, be excited to know that some people still remember their excellent. You know, um, and, uh, <laughs> you know Scotty, uh, Scotty Sandwich, I think is what he goes by, uh, mm -hmm. did Death the False Hope uh, Fest. 
in Durham. Yeah, I do. I do not, or at least not off the top of my head. That, that's all right. Uh, it's a you know, it's a big world and a small world at the same time, right? Uh, he he actually met up with Tom Ackerman uh, a little oh. while ago oh. and said he he Tom might be doing more music in the future, and I was like, because be- uh, I. I don't know if you're familiar. I mean, he drummed for Sunday's Best. Yeah, uh, I remember all those Sunday's Best records as, but it's funny, like probably more people remember Sunday's Best. Yes. And Skip Loader, <laughs> but I think of Sunday's Best as like, oh, it's 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 the continuation. Yeah, like, me, well, he also had another band in there, Neighborly. I don't know if you've ever heard them. Oh, yeah, of course. I remember yeah. Neighborly as well. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. So, um, so Tom, uh, yeah, Scotty had a, I think it was on podcast with him or something along those lines. I don't remember. I'll have to follow up with him. But uh, I thought you would appreciate that. He is still out there floating around. Um, oh, that's awesome. I mean, again, that record is just really, really good. It, you know, it's such an incredible record. And uh, I don't know if it's on Spotify. Some of those, a lot of those records, like, you know, in addition to Skip Loader, there's like that band Horse, like mm-hmm. A-R-S-E. They have a record called um, Happens Twice, which was another one of our favorite of those that just like you know and I, I feel like a lot of these records are probably not on streaming or something maybe uh i know, know from canthu string just got on streaming like a year and a half ago because i oh, geeked cool. out when that, that was on there uh yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and, and honestly you know it's it's funny you say that because i think there's a lot of people that are uh get frustrated by spotify you know there's the war on spotify and and to me uh it's it's changed the way it's like the radio is back again you know when before clear channel and took over it's it's introduced me to so many bands that then i can go out and buy their stuff and yeah i feel bad for i feel bad bad for bands that seem like spotify is really a negative and they're getting paid you know pennies on the penny basically you know like nothing uh that that does suck but it does uh, but I, i do think bands are easily discoverable it is it is a way to easily discoverable you know uh, to it is. discover bands and it might not necessarily monetize for them in streaming plays but maybe somebody would go see the band live somebody would buy a shirt somebody would you know at least you know something might occur there well that's a uh, that's funny that you say that because uh we are going to do later on our top 10 uh bands what we most regret seeing live and alternatively you said that and i just saw the beths in nashville i was there uh for a job that i just quit actually and uh and uh i got to see the beths who i you know one of my friends mentioned to him and checked him out on spotify um and uh for me it's been great because it's opened me up to a lot of new bands that uh, I wouldn't have found. So uh, I get to go see them, and, and to your point, goes to check out so many new live bands I, I would have never seen if it wasn't yeah. for that uh, that way to access it. So um, tell us a little bit about your day job. Yeah, so I own a record store, which is Celebrated Summer Records in Baltimore, Maryland, and yeah, I've had the store for 17 years now, uh, so a pretty long time. It's been in a couple of different locations, but it's been in the spot that it is now, which is in Hamden, which is a kind of neighborhood in Baltimore. Um, it's been there for about 11 years in in the same spot. So yeah, and it's like um, kind of like a medium-sized record store. There's lots of punk and hardcore, but also lots of jazz and soul and classic rock, and I'll stock 
you know, brand new releases from like new punk and hardcore bands and also Lizzo and Taylor Swift, like right next to each other. So it's kind of like a medium sized store that there's a little bit of something there for maybe everybody. So, and you, you know, have, have experience, right. In uh, in a, a punk band, um, do you, uh, one of the things I just, because of your job now and in your experience, one of the things uh, I've always found funny is uh, there's this idea that musicians only listen to the kind of music they play. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, sure. uh, and, and one of the things I found uh, just very fascinating in talking to you and seeing you is just the wide scope of what you listen to. Uh and so what's what's been some of the, your favorite things you found coming through the door in your store? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, just to touch on, like, listening to different things, it's, you know, two parts of my brain, right? Like, there's, I mean, the bands that I'm in, part of the reason, I mean, the bands that I've been in all might kind of sound like, they sound a little different than each other, right? Like, right. Deep Sleep doesn't sound like War Games, and War Games doesn't sound like, uh, never enough for daybreak but the thing is is that all of it is just fast hardcore you know what i mean like there's no deviation there i didn't do a screamo band i didn't do a beatdown band i didn't do you know a math rock band everything that i you know all the bands that i've been in have like basically an incredibly narrow focus which is just fast hardcore that's just like all it is um and you know that's on purpose one because it's all i'm suited to do <laughs> you know, like i understand i'm not i'm not suited to sing in a pop punk band and yeah to, and to carry a tune or hit a note uh i'm not suited to be in a math rock band i'm just not suited to that at all um and incidentally i don't even really like you know, math rock or screamo or metal hardcore. Those are things I don't really like. But uh, but the the other part of it is the store part of my brain or the part of my brain that likes music that is not necessarily related to the music that I've chosen to play. And in that world, right, like tons of pop punk, tons of indie rock, tons of jazz, free jazz, spiritual jazz, um, you know, I've made the joke a lot of times. It's like, I'm not very fond of avant-garde music when it is played by white guys with guitars. You know, like, I'm not a Zappa guy. Yeah. I don't like, uh, you know, experimental guitar-based music very much, with very, very, very few exceptions. But for whatever reason, uh, the part of my brain that is amenable to avant-garde music is like, oh, when it's jazz, it's like, all it, it can't be crazy enough you know what i mean when it's like somebody holding a guitar i basically would prefer that it sound like the ramones or napalm death you know and not not anything too like experimental but when it's jazz there's like no no limits i'm like the crazier it sounds the better you know i enjoy it so again just different parts of my brain yeah like, uh you know enjoying different styles of music and different things I actually uh, like it's funny. I when when it comes to jazz, I cannot sit down. Like going and seeing a live jazz band is incredible, right? Just the incredible mm -hmm. musicianship and the talent. But I, I cannot focus on an album. I get like I just like to me, it's 
I get lost. Like I can't pay attention. Uh, I, I get really focused on, you know, lyrics is one of my big things. Right. And a lot of jazz is about the improvisation and the, the, you know, the ability to, to hit the wrong note correctly. Right. So a hundred percent, not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but seeing it live on the other hand, I walk in and I'm just like, wow, like you can really appreciate, I don't even know how you're making this happen. <laughs> like I could never do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool. Uh, so what's, what's probably your weirdest jazz record? Like, what's well, I don't know about, you know, necessarily weird, but I, and I should say, I mean, just like with punk and hardcore, right? Like, you know, you could, you don't want to dive right in listening to Napalm Death, maybe, right? Like, right. that would be too much, you know? You want to start somewhere, like, start at the Ramones or the Stooges or something, and then work your way to, you know, maybe a different style, or like, a you know, more intense, or like, you know, style as you go along. Like, I probably started listening to jazz around 1995 or something, and I heard an avant-garde jazz record, and I was like, nope, 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 not not for me, not not ready, no chance whatsoever. I was like, I like jazz, but I'm going to stay over here in the little kiddie pool with like completely just normal, yeah, normal is probably not the right word, but like, you know, just regular jazz. I listened to Horace Silver and like uh, Art Blakey. I like drummer fronted jazz, you know, and stuff like that. And then after years of listening to that and like, kind of falling into it then I was slowly like oh I'll get into more improvisational or avant-garde you know style style of jazz and now there's no limits but again just falling right in if somebody hadn't heard punk or hardcore and the first thing you played for them was like you know melt banana or something they might just be whoa <laughs> like I'm not you know I'm not ready for this you gotta start me somewhere else so I, uh... I started you know at one point and then just slowly you know, got more, more interesting, you know, interested as it went on, I guess. I think that's a, uh, a challenge that a lot of hobbyists fall into with anything, right? Uh, yeah. Is once you fall into that rabbit hole, you get really excited about the weird things, but you forget about the steps it took you to get there. The stuff yeah, that yeah. none of us start, <laughs> like uh, we all started, you know, mine was Bad Religion. That was the first band that I heard that took me off the radio and into that punk rabbit hole. Yeah, which is amazing. Bad Religion are an incredible band. I saw yeah. them, uh, I had, you know, one of, not first punk show, but like, uh, but I saw them play with, uh, they did two nights at the 930 Club. The first night was all opened, who are my favorite band. And uh, and then uh, Bad Religion headlined. And then the next night, Bad Religion opened and all headlined. And I That's guess awesome. That was, was on the Generator tour. And I just remember being like, just, you know, I was there to see all, but, like, Bad Religion just, like, killed it. They were incredible. And it was, like, you know, a 60-song set list or something. It was, like, four pieces of paper taped together, you know, playing all those early, you know, early to mid. That is, uh, that had to be an incredible night. Oh, my God. Uh, I uh, I don't know if you were at the show when, uh, I'm a big Jawbox fan, and when they got back together, they did their reunion show. And uh, when you said that, it just made me think of when I was seeing them also at 930, the, the new 930, yep. uh, they they played for almost it felt like almost three hours. And it was oh, yeah. and I couldn't believe it because I was just like, oh, they're not going to play these songs because they've been going. Bands, especially like, you know, hardcore and punk bands don't play for hours sure. and then they just yeah. kept going. Uh, and it most bands for me, once it hits a, an hour. 
ah, you know, I start to, all right, I've seen you where we've burned through it. And, and yeah. I, I couldn't get enough. Uh, they were uh, on fire that night. Uh, it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. And, and they played almost their entire catalog, uh, which uh, there's not a lot. Like I saw Alkaline Trio when they did that past lives tour. And uh, there were some of those songs. So I was like, yeah, I know why you don't play this live. <laughs> I don't need to see this. Uh, oh. interesting, though, when you see these bands doing like, uh, you know, these reunion tours and stuff. I like, I mean, if it's a band that either I never was able to see originally or I saw them originally and, you know, I'm relatively sure they're not going to disappoint me yeah. now, you know, uh, I'm excited to see those shows and I like when they play, you know, 25 plus songs or, you me know. Me too. Um, uh, it's uh, for, uh, well, in some of these bands, uh, like I went to Riot Fest to see Jawbreaker, knowing they were probably going to do tours. Mm -hmm. But there was a part of me that was like, if they don't, right, just in case they don't, just in case, <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta Definitely. go see that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I went to the um, when Jawbreaker played at the Anthem in DC. I was at that um, show as well. I went to that one, and yeah, weirdly, I went and saw them. I tried to see them in Baltimore on the Jawbox Jawbreaker tour. Uh, they played in Baltimore at a place called The Rev, uh, but they didn't play. Uh, Blake's throat was hurting, so only only Jawbox played that night. And then I wound up not seeing them again until they played on the Dear You tour. They played at the Black Cat um, on that tour, and I saw them. But then not all the way until – I didn't go to any of those Riot Fest shows or anything, but they played at the Anthem, yeah. on one of the tours that they were doing, and I was like, yeah. Um, definitely need to see them again like i love these songs i really really want to check them out so and it was great it didn't it didn't disappoint me at all so i you know for me uh too uh, people get upset about the reunion tours but for me it's just they're like you said there's a lot of these bands hey you didn't get a chance to see some of these bands didn't really get to tour or if they did tour it was once or twice and then yeah. they broke up and now this is a chance where, hey, they've got an audience. We can actually go see these bands. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will say I don't love, just as a person that has some amount of social anxiety, even pre-COVID social anxiety, um, I do not love – bands can do whatever they want, of course. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I'm not judging them for playing fests. But I don't like uh, the fest situation. Like, I don't yeah. – you know what? Actually, I'll change it. The Fest in Florida. Fest is fantastic. And uh, Maryland yeah. Death Fest, which happens here in Baltimore, yeah. is also pretty fun. But the Riot Fest or, like, these larger festivals. I'm with that, you. You know, bands, you know, more power to them to do what they want. But I always kind of hold out and wait until they'll play, like, more of a, you know, medium-sized venue. And it's yeah. not, like, I, uh... bottles of water and you know, having to sit through 22 bands that I might not want to see. And you can't uh, leave. You know, no re-entry. You're stuck there. Uh, I, I Riot Fest is something I would I did once. I would never do again. Yeah. Uh, but I got to see, you know, Wu-Tang Clan and Prophets of Rage. And, Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Built a Spill and I Ministry of Nails. I did do it one year, um, but I remember it not being so crazy. The year that I went, we saw Jay Retard play. And we saw all play, which was probably the reason that I went. Yeah, makes sense. Um, but it was inside. I, it wasn't like uh, I think it was before they had done the the huge, large outside. Oh, the out, yeah, at the the park. Yeah, so it, I believe it was inside, if my memory serves. So I did go to that one, but um, but yeah, even when I was a kid, I went to the first two Lollapaloozas, and I was like, ah, yeah, I don't know. It's just like yeah. 
even then I felt somewhat uncomfortable in that amount of, uh, in that amount of people. So I don't love that, but most of the times, right? Like these bands like Descendants or Jawbreaker, you can kind of almost assume that they will eventually do a more median sized show or tour. My biggest uh, problem though lately has been Devo who don't really do those types of things. They do play those fests, but then you don't really see them do, you know, like a multi-city tour where it's smaller and it's kind of a little frustrating because I have never seen Devo and I really want to. So I'm kind of like, ah, oh, God, is there going to be a fest that I'm going to have to go to, you know, to see them? But I, uh, well. that there's two of those that I never did for kind of the same reason. They, well, they toured all the time. So I thought it was safe was the Buzzcocks. Oh, yeah. And of course, we'll never, I'll never get the chance to see them. And then uh, Sonic Youth, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm never going to get the chance to see them either now. (laughs) I think Sonic Youth are, I mean, you know, the Buzzcocks play without, they, you know, the Buzzcocks played shows uh, post, uh, you know, um, Shelly. Yeah, passing away. Yeah. Um, But Sonic Youth are probably, you know what I mean? I feel like that might be a, uh, a, a you know foregone conclusion that they're done yeah i saw, uh, I saw sonic youth uh i saw sonic youth with the beastie boys uh in like maybe it was like the check your head tour how was that or whatever i mean incredible I, you know it was, it was awesome that was like how and did I think, it not be <laughs> yeah i want to say that like either rage against the machine or cypress hill played too it was pretty wild um but uh yeah that was uh i saw them then and i saw the buzzcocks i didn't see them you know, even remotely early, but they played in Baltimore. They played at the Auto Bar, and they played at Soundstage within a couple of years of each other. And I went to both of those shows, and you know, I, I caught them that time. But, but yeah, there's plenty of bands that I'll, you know, you know, never get to see. Or, yeah, you know, it's just the. I guess that's what makes you know music special. It's fleeting it sometimes, you know, or the experience of seeing it live is sometimes, sometimes fleeting, you know. I, I, my wife uh, was not a big concert person uh, for a lot of our relationships. She would go and uh, actually she loves REM. So I got to see when REM toured with Modest Mouse and oh, wow. the National and Johnny Marr was in Modest Mouse at that point. So I got right, to see Johnny right. I remember Marr. Hearing, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He played with REM. And to me, uh, that was just something like, wow, what a cool moment. Like, I, I mean, uh, well, where else am I ever going to get to see, you know, Johnny Marr play with R.E.M. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, but she's since really come around and it's, it's been exciting to see her just kind of fall in love with it and get to see oh, that's awesome. some of her yeah. favorite bands live too. Uh, yeah. cause it is completely different. Right. Um, uh, so what's been some of your, uh, like, You've been to a lot of shows, obviously. Uh, I think when we get in <laughs> into this scene, that's that's a, a side effect want, of it. Right? I feel bad. I don't want to just be here being like, oh yeah, I love it. Uh, no. like the time that I saw REM in 1989 on the. <laughs> uh, no, I love it. For me, uh, this is to me, it's fascinating. Just like hearing the stories, uh, even if I couldn't be there, hearing people be excited about it and just imagining. Uh, I mean, I watch concert videos, right? That's, yeah. that's like, God, I wish I could have been there. <laughs> well, I haven't. You know, the thing is, is like, because of the record store, I have to be careful about COVID. Um, yeah. I can't just be like, oh, that shit's over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because if I get sick and the store has to close down, that's me. Like, it's yeah. not like, you know, my friends sometimes will be like, 
oh yeah, I got COVID. I felt bad for two days, and I fucking read comic books for the rest yeah. of the week, paid. And yeah. I'm like, hmm, that's awesome, but not my experience at all. <laughs> no. I, uh, if yeah. I get COVID and I'm out for fucking, let's just pretend that I'm out for seven days and I'm 50 and I hurt every single day that I wake up, no COVID, you know what I mean? <laughs> pretend that I'm only out for seven days. You know, I'm in, you know, I'm definitely in bleeding money. Yeah. Time period. And so then I have to look at going to shows now and say, sure, I would pay $20 or $50 to go to that show. Would I pay $5,000 in lost yeah. revenue to go to that show? Yeah. If I happen to get sick. Um, so talking about old shows is kind of fun because I, I do go a little bit. I'll go here and there to some shows, you know, now, but I'm still kind of like hoping things even get better and, you know, to like fully go back to like the way that I, you know, was going to shows like every week or something. So it's nice to talk about older shows because I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a good time when I got to go to more. And I don't feel like being 50, I don't feel retired from wanting to do it. You know, I want to see yeah. like new new hardcore bands play shitty houses like, yeah. that's that, like that will never be beaten out of me i want to do it um it's just been difficult to now that's all so i mean i um i think i went to a house show post like in the mm -hmm. covid era uh but maybe one i that's something yeah. uh, and i'm uh you know in the the middle age category as well so right. uh you know i it it's weird because if you feel like you're the old guy in the room, but that's the way you got to go see the young bands. But uh, it, it's yeah. the landscape of just being an artist in this, this time period has changed drastically. I mean, the yeah. small venues, uh, you know, as a small business owner, right. You're, you're encountering that too. The, yeah. the crunch that's on these businesses, the, I feel like a lot of those, uh, those smaller places uh, just didn't survive. Uh, and so I'm glad you did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was fine. I mean, as people might have said or read, like hobbies that are more like inward facing really had a pretty incredible growth spurt yeah. during COVID. You know, people were like, oh, well, I'm not going out and drinking uh, currently. You know, this is when yeah. things were like more shut yeah. down, shut down. They're like, I'm not going to go out and drink, and there's no live music for X amount of time. So, oh, let me look at this record collection, and either I'm going to sell some of my record collection, which benefited me and, and used record stores, or, hey, I'm going to actually start caring about my records collection again, or I'm going to just decide that I need a new hobby and collecting records is like the fun thing to do. And, you know, of course, you know, I don't want COVID to have happened, but like my particular sector of like bookstore, record store, yeah. comic book store really saw an incredible amount of growth uh, people wanting to participate in hobbies that they could just basically do sing you know just as themselves like they can sit home and you know listen to records and uh, uh or read books or whatever i worked for a uh, used bookstore chain um for the last six years that's the job i uh, okay. recently stepped away from and you're, you you're absolutely did you see that same like oh yeah it went it went out of control like yeah. out of control uh it was uh, it was actually a little terrifying, if I can be honest, uh, because I had to go into Florida and in Newport News, Virginia, and Fayetteville, North Carolina, and they were acting like this wasn't a thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, yeah for sure. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, I was just like, "This is terrifying. This is yeah. pre-vaccine. My world never stopped. I had to keep going right. 
traveling and and uh it, it it's probably part of the reason why I'm not working right now. <laughs> so I just had to go like take a break. That was that. A, yeah, 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 that was a a, a terrifying uh three years and, and yeah. I mean it still is. It feels like we're starting to get kind of a at least a new normal, I guess is the phrase people have been using. But yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. Just the um I'm into board gaming and uh board gaming exploded. Yeah, of course. Like a husband and wife or yep. roommates, you yep. know what I mean? Or whomever. Your can just, like yeah, can just yeah. like play board games, you know? Yeah. Me and my wife bought a bunch of board games. <laughs> you know? Oh, what did you get? So, uh we actually got some you know what? We got this um you know the choose your own adventure book? Yeah, yeah. They made two yeah. card yeah. I guess House, card House games. Of the House of Danger and uh something else, right? Yeah. House of Danger is our favorite and yeah. uh we really, really loved House of Danger. It was like really fun. So Excellent. yeah, you know that and backgammon and uh, Scrabble. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> that's a yeah. That's a, uh, kind of my one of my big hobbies is uh, board gaming. That's kind of where I started, and that's that's kind of the crux of my my zining here. My video zining is board gaming and music because oh, that's awesome. Yeah, two of my biggest passions. So. Um, that's so, awesome. Ironically enough, I'm playing House of Danger with my wife right now. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Um, well, so you can basically, I mean, you can't play it endlessly, but yeah. you can for, you can play it, forget about it for a month or two, yeah. and play it again, and it's still pretty fun. I mean, maybe post the third time playing it, you're like, okay, I know everywhere to go and not to go. Yeah. So, you can get a solid two really solid plays out of that game, I think before uh you have to like you know move on to something else and then then you can pass it it's like a good book right once you've gotten everything you want out of it you get to give it on to somebody else and they yeah for sure um uh and that's one of the things i actually because don't you have a comic book store next to your store is there yeah directly next to us yeah. is atomic books and they're not exactly i mean they sell comics but they're kind of like a uh it's like everything it's like underground books you know, I mean, it's a little yeah. of everything, right? It's almost a little bit like Celebrated Summer. They have, like, a little bit of mainstream comics, a lot of, like, experimental underground kind of comics, lots of stuff in between. So, um, and but not just comics, right? And they have, like, yeah. you know, tons of novels and, uh, you know, art books and things like that. It's It's a great store. John Waters gets his mail delivered there. He, like, fully endorses it. And sometimes he'll pick his mail up in person you know, on a random Sunday, you know, awesome. just like show up. And uh, so that's great. And Atomic Books really helped me because I was initially in Towson, which is a suburb of uh, of Baltimore. And I was inside of a comic book store there as well, a different different comic. Like that was like a proper comic book store. Okay. Like Magic the Gathering cards yeah. and just Spider-Man comic books. So when I started my store, I was in the back of that store for about four years and when they eventually decided to move, I moved into the city inside of Atomic Books. They basically incubated me for about a year and a half until the space next to us became available. And that's how we are now, where, you know, they're next to me and, and I'm right there. So it's a good, good destination, you know. But I couldn't have done it without them. They really saved me, uh, you know. That's one thing I uh, I feel like, we lose a lot of in the, you know, the big box store era, right. Is just these 
the way we can help it feels like everything's a competition these way these days and even with retail it doesn't have to be right we can help each other out we can be cooperative it can be a a mutually beneficial environment it doesn't have to be about grinding your competitors to dust i mean here's the thing uh comic books and records are perfect because they are non-competing but very compatible you know what i mean like roll the dice literally right and say that somebody that collects records might also have a predisposition to you know read comic books or play a a role-playing game or be interested in literature that is a little left of center and that was a gamble that i made when i initially you know in the earlier comic book store when i put myself inside of there you know when i asked them like hey can i set my store up in this unused area of your store i kind of made a gamble that the people that would come just to buy records would be kind of interested in comic books again maybe and so it worked out well right their business grew a little bit because my customers were walking through their store and like oh i remember this comic i remember this you know and some of the comic people were like oh there's a record store in here now yeah. i'll check that out i remember records and so again complimentary without being yeah. competitive and it worked out great in both cases you know so um well i'm gonna pause this right here we'll take a little break and then we're gonna come back and do our um uh, well you know regain our conversation then we'll do our top 10 uh uh most regrettable concerts so uh give us one second and we'll be right back this is why i struggle to keep the bed made kalua kalua lulu you want to go outside we're back um and we're going to change it up a little bit because we want to be positive uh this is is me because i felt like i was being too negative (laughs) (laughs) i felt like i was being too trolling negative yeah that's all right it's all right you know what uh you've seen a lot of great shows and uh, there's invariably going to be some stuff in there you didn't want to see because, like, that's the fun, the thing when you start going to shows, too. We were just talking to my friend Damien. He's in a band called Dead Format. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about how there was just, like, Newfound Glory was a band that in the late 90s, early 2000s, you just saw because yeah. they played with – it didn't matter if you liked Newfound Glory or not. Yeah. You saw Newfound Glory live. I saw them open up for Snapcase. Yeah. <laughs> I saw them uh, – I think I've seen them like seven or eight times. I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, I saw them open up for Snapcase. Weirdly, I yeah. saw Modest, I saw Modest Mouse open up for Blackheart Procession once, but I wasn't there. So a lot of times, sometimes when I'm making this list of like bands, I was unhappy to see Modest Mouse is actually like it's in a world of like I'm there to see the the band that yeah. I'm there to see, and I don't want to see another band. And yeah, it just so happened that Modest Mouse opened up for Blackheart Procession, who I like adore and i was just like i have no time no time for you modest mouse you know whatever year it was i was like just bring on you know bring on black heart procession and uh you know i could look backwards and be like that was certainly a shitty 
attitude of me to have. <laughs> but, you wanna, this isn't going to be on either one of my lists, but one of the other things that's funny to me is sometimes just how these things happen. Cause uh, we went and saw better than Ezra. Me, my sister and I went and saw better than Ezra at a concert in the park in Atlanta. And uh, this woman walks out to, that's opening the show and all these preteen girls are freaking out. And we are like, what is happening? And my sister is like, is that Nicole Kidman? No, it was Avril Lavigne. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I saw Avril Lavigne on her, like, one of her, it, probably her first major tours, opening for yeah. Ezra. In what world would Avril Lavigne ever open for Better Than Ezra? But uh, yeah. I got to see it. So uh, what a memory. <laughs> I might be, I, I had a, well, not similar. That's quite a, that's quite a serious situation there. Yeah. I remember once going to see, uh, I might have been Knapsack. I think I, it was very possibly Knapsack. I could be forgetting, but it was a band like Knapsack, where it's like people liked them, but it was not selling out any shows. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just like, it yeah. was, this was in the 90s, and we were like, oh yeah, let's go see, let's say Knapsack. I'm relatively sure it was. Somebody can spot check this online. But um, we get there, and there's like a hundred people outside of the place, and it's completely sold out. And I'm like, what the fuck? fuck is going on like we can't even get in and yeah. it was a dashboard confessional was uh, opening, you know for yeah. them it's like oh well hate you forever yeah knife <laughs> in the heart forever for making me not see what i presume was knapsack I, i'm pretty sure that's what it was i hope but, you got to see them live at some point because knapsack was great live so i think i saw them in baltimore at some point okay. uh, other than that yeah but uh I got to see them uh a couple of times when they got back together and oh that's awesome yeah uh and jealous sound uh love like anything blair does is great Shit, you know what it might have actually been the cello sound. That that makes more sense. I uh, actually think it was. Uh, thank you for saying that. I actually yeah. believe it was the cello sound and the dashboard can. And we loved that cello sound record, man. We fucking yeah. It's it's one of the greatest albums of all time. I love that record. Yeah, 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 for sure. The holdout so. is uh, man. What a brutal song. <laughs> uh, I think it was jealous. I I absolutely. Now I'm convinced it was the jealous sound and dashboard was opening and that, we were like, what are all these fucking people doing here? I mean, I went home mad with the name dashboard confessional like carved onto a fucking knife. Like I cannot fucking believe, you know, <laughs> like yeah, I I feel that I feel that I uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah <laughs> I. Sometimes it's like uh, the story of when uh, Cars Flowers would open for Mustard Plug, and now it's Maroon Five. It's like, could you oh, imagine right. seeing Adam Levine opening for Mustard Plug? I, that is crazy. Yeah, yeah. The world. Sure. Uh, well, do you want to start with? Uh, do you want to like alternate? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll alternate between shows we were glad to see or unhappy to see, and yeah, then, let's, and then see. we can end on a positive note. So. Yeah, sure. So we'll both do a one we didn't want to see. All right. So, so let's let's start. Uh, you want to start us off? What was your? Yeah, sure. Favorite? I'll start off at the bottom or the lower part of my list, yeah. which is uh, a band who just so happened to play like eight shows in a row that I was trying to see but never trying to see them, and that is Primus. Um, this is in the late late 80s you know 89 to like you know 92 or 3 era um i am not a musician and as i might have you know said before when it comes to you know technical music yeah. I, I do not enjoy any of that and uh i so like 
you know, Primus's music for fucking bass players and basically. Yeah, I'm a bass player. You love them, right? Yeah. So (laughs) it is music. It is literally music for bass players. And (laughs) I'm not a bass player. And open up these shows. I mean, I remember going to see Fishbone, who I loved. Uh, Yeah. Primus was opening. Yeah. Seeing Public Enemy, Primus opened up that fucking show too. And I would just stand there. And it was just like, and I'm just like getting angrier and angrier, <laughs> like so fucking mad. <laughs> I, uh, the closest I've come to seeing Public Enemy is uh, Prophets of Rage, but I did get to oh, see yeah, yeah. So, hey, that was great. Uh, That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I saw that really <laughs> weird tour. Uh, I should say that this, this should be on my list of shows I was glad to see, but there was a Lollapalooza knockoff tour that happened that was. Um, Gang of Four, Sisters of Mercy, Public Enemy, and um, I can't remember who else was on it. And it was short-lived. It had a couple of city run, and then it fell apart. But I saw that tour in D.C. Um, and Public yeah. Enemy, yeah, Public Enemy played on that tour, and I was able to see it. But the, the show, it was I think it was Anthrax, Public Enemy, and Primus was the other show that, that Primus jumped I, I love all three of those bands. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was a big Anthrax fan. I was a huge metalhead, so. Yeah. Uh, Time period. Uh, Anthrax is my favorite of the um of the big four Thrax. Yeah. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but uh, I uh, love Anthrax. I love them. Uh, well, I, mine is uh, actually a ska band that uh, the probably formerly most beloved ska band of the third wave. Um, but I was at a like a, one of those outdoor festivals that they like radio festivals, uh, mm-hmm. in Charlotte, and I was going to see um, Run DMC was there. And Super Drag was there, and I was excited cool. about both of them. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, and then I ran into Dickie Barrett, who was also there, and he was a total jerk. <laughs> uh, and then the sound was atrocious. Uh, like the bass was just like, like it was just way too loud, blown out bass, yeah. riding everything. Uh, so my number five is seeing the Mighty Mighty Boss Tense because it was just a terrible experience. And, yeah, he was a jerk, huh? Yeah, but the rest of the show was great. We, um, I mean, Super Drag, that's incredible. I mean, yeah. I love Super Drag and uh, Run DMC. You're not going wrong there. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, that. Um, the whole the show overall was memorable, but that moment was uh, yeah, was awful. We can all feel better. He got kicked out, or the Money Money Boston's broke up because he's like, yeah, he's, he's an like all writer, right? He's like a anti vaxxer Yeah, think, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's disappointing, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. For all the people who love them, uh, some of my friends love them, uh, yeah. but uh, uh, you know, I wasn't like, I mean, Money Money Boston's. I always felt like you know they had that one radio song on each record. Yeah, impression that I get. Yeah, yeah, maybe like a listenable, but uh, but he was in that earlier Boston hardcore band Impact Unit. And uh, I love, I mean, that impact unit seven inches is fucking incredible. So it's a little bit of a shame that, uh, you know, he went that way, but he wouldn't be the first third or 103rd no. old hardcore guy to uh, turn into a weirdo alt-writer. So no, it's uh, uh, un- uh, unfortunately more common than I think we'd like to admit. So. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, all right. So, all right, uh, Mighty Mighty Boss Primus and Mighty Mighty Boss were solidly still in the '90s here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's let's move forward. What's your uh, what's your number five? I guess your your. Oh, well, so do you want me to do uh, one that I like that I yes, enjoyed? Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. So one that I uh, what I'm really glad that I got to see was the Ramones. Um, 
I caught them only. It's weird. I could have seen them more times, but I didn't. I saw them twice. I guess this is partially by the time they were playing when they played Lollapalooza, right? They did like a whole run of um, Lollapalooza dates. But by that point, I was fully not able to be in crowds that were that big, you know, so I couldn't do yeah. that. But they played, there was a heavy metal club in Baltimore called Hammerjacks. And um, it was like more properly heavy metal club. I saw like Merciful Fate there and uh, more metal shows. But the Ramones had a long standing tradition of playing there. And uh, so I got to see them twice uh, there. Both times were with CJ, not DD. Yeah. But it was like, it was like uh, CJ's first tour. So mm-hmm. it was like maybe like 90, okay. 91, you know, somewhere right in there. Um. And I remember, you know, this is one of those things where it's like, you can see whatever shows you've ever seen. You can be as, you know, quote unquote, cool, like, oh, I saw this or I saw that. There is always, this is a lesson I learned super early. There is always somebody that is like 20 times cooler than you. It's all 20 cooler shows than you did, no matter fucking what. Yeah. uh, I remember back then, my brother-in-law being like, Didi's not in the band? fuck that shit like you're seeing nothing you know what i mean yeah and uh he was a nice guy but there was a you know every once in a while be like oh yeah man shit i saw slayer in 1988 on the south of heaven tour and he's like i saw him in 86 on the fucking you know what i mean he's like yeah he's like fuck your fuck your bullshit slayer 1988 he's just like i saw him on the hello waits tour you know so as we talk about these things that we've seen or whatever, it's good to always remember that. There's, uh, yeah, there's always. You know what I mean? There's always, yeah. you know, a it, ton of people in line that are like, whatever it is that I saw was just like straight bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, for me, <laughs> when we take away the that side of it and just like, for that's what's fun for me is I get to hear about those. And it's like, man, that had to be awesome. And then sometimes you hear about the replacement shows. And I was like, yeah, I saw them one of those nights when it wasn't so good. And it's like, it wasn't good. Yeah. Oh, that makes you feel better. <laughs> yeah. uh, on there. I, uh, I, all I remember about that Ramon show, the two shows that I saw, they were both very early in CJ's time there. And they were, I mean, I was, I remember they were so fast. You know, when you listen to the yeah. that final live record, Loco Live, they're incredibly fast on that record, but they had actually slowed down some amount from when CJ first joined the band. I mean, those shows, I remember being like, oh, what song is this? And it was like two songs later. I was just like, they were just like blasting so fucking fast. Um, so it was cool to have seen them, but, you know, uh, it was almost like a total blur. Both yeah. shows were just like a complete blur. So. Uh, well, I am jealous. I never got to see the Ramones. Um, this one is, uh, I saw this band. Uh, they were a Durham band. They never got really, uh, really big. They they did a, a couple of them. I think like we're on Tiny Engines for a little while. There's a band called uh, Red Collar. Um, mm. And I, but I got to see them and, and I have since become friends with Jay. But it was for me, uh, it was one of those bands when you see a local band and in Durham, there weren't a lot of great local bands. There were, I mean, there were the big ones, right. That went on to, you know, you know, your archers of loaf and your super chunk and you know, those, but in the scene. And uh, for me, um, it was just cool to see such a great band 
that just existed in there and had such a good following and had such a good energy. And I, I think I've seen them probably, I've toured with Jay uh, solo. Uh, like I've seen them uh, probably 15, 20 times, who knows, but uh, it, you know, just finding a local band to fall in love with. Uh, and that was just such a, I remember seeing them cause their drummer uh, had just broken his arm doing dumb things that bands do like dumb Frank things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh jay drummer with a broken arm (laughs) yeah uh but they played and he just got and uh he said the thing that was great was jonathan couldn't speed up because he was recovering uh (laughs) and it let him it made him the tightest they'd ever been it was one of the first times i'd ever saw him and Uh i just remember that just thinking about man uh there's probably a lot of punk bands that can take a lesson from that it's just stay tight uh slow and, slow and steady when yeah you the exact opposite of your remotes yeah, and this is also exactly why i'm not you know i'm not a musician all of my i'm always with any of my bands i'm like oh, oh, that sounds great can we just play it faster and looser yeah. i'm like can just be fast? <laughs> i'm like the exact opposite of that i'm like can you just play it three times faster, but with like slightly less accuracy? <laughs> it's more fun to play fast. Uh, it may not sound good, but it is more fun. Uh, uh, cool. All right. Well, let's go on. What's your your number four? Uh, oh yeah, right. Number four of the hated bands. Disasters. All that I really didn't like. Um, I, I'll keep this one in the '90s too. Uh, this band was just had the misfortune of opening up for my favorite band. So my favorite band being all oh, the, yeah. who are notoriously hated or, you know, well, I'm not yeah. hated. they're just less appreciated yeah. right, than the descendants. But uh, I really lean into that super hard and I love them. And I had to see them. Op- uh, the toadies open. Oh for no. Them. Uh, there was a tour where the toadies open for them in the old nine thirty club. And I was so, I feel guilty about this. I feel bad. Like, I legitimately feel bad. Like, this is some ignorant shit. But I was so unhappy that the Toadies were opening for them that I turned. I was in the front row, of course. I, there was oh, a row. no, was, you're that guy. Oh, I just straight up turned my back when they played. And I was, like, you know, one foot away from them. I feel so bad. I feel legitimately Oh, bad. man. But I, uh... also, uh, so that's, like, 50-50, right? 50%, I just hated seeing them because I, I was unhappy that they were there. And sure. I feel bad that I was kind of a trolling asshole. Uh, you know what I mean? That turned turned my back on them. So I feel I feel a little bad about that. One. Uh, that's funny. Well, I'm we're staying in the '90s, I guess, because uh, I. Um, but this was a band I saw. I've seen multiple times, and I actually really used to love this band. Uh, and they're on this list because when I saw them live this time, it was so bad that I do not listen to them anymore. Uh, I don't even go back and listen to the old stuff. And, oh shit! Uh, it, they, blew, uh, they blew their spot completely off. Yeah, huh? and and it could be Blink One Eighty Two here because I did used to Blink One Eighty Two, but I think I would have grown out of that anyway. Uh, this is Everclear. I ah, saw Everclear, them okay. after everybody left, and it was just art with like, uh, and it was, and Everclear was, uh, you know, there was some of those radio bands, uh, you know, aged well. Some of them didn't. I think Everclear Sparkle and Fade is a great album. Uh, I think everything around it, uh, whatever, but it was legitimately one of the worst shows I from a band I loved. And I just yeah. sat there and I went, like, you're better than this. Just stop playing music. You Like, this is embarrassing. Uh, like they were actually, like, they were playing the songs incorrectly or just looked like they didn't want to be there? Nobody wanted to be there. Nobody it wanted. was like they were plotting. Like, this was a band that when I saw them live, 
and they were in their prime. They were high energy. Like they Art came yep. out of a punk scene, right? So he was a punk rock guy, like high energy, full tilt, like blasting through songs, just great showmanship. This time it was like the plotting songs, no energy. It was the definition of mailing it in. And I was like, you had to have made enough money off of royalties that you don't have to do this. Like, nobody's making you do this. And it, like, I don't buy into selling out really, but it felt like just such a sellout thing to do. Just sit there and like, you're just milking money out of people that are going for a nostalgia act. And it was heartbreaking to see. Yeah. Uh, I did used to love that band, and now I don't listen to them. <laughs> so uh, that is. Uh, I had a heart. I had a similar experience seeing a, a band that I love, or you know, like really like anyway. Which, excuse me, <clears throat> also '90s, of course, and in the same realm as that, which is the Gin Blossoms. Yeah, I really love those first two Gin Blossoms records, and I went and saw them, and it was like, it looked like somebody was holding a gun to their head. Well, the band members looked like yeah. somebody was holding a gun to their heads, and that they didn't want to be there. But then the singer was like he would just grab people's like people would hold their cell phones up and he would sing into their cell phones. Like to, like if they, they called their friend, like I'm at yeah. the awesome concert and he would like pick up the cell phones and sing into them. Like while he was sure. singing. And I was like, that is such a weird yeah. flex for the gym blossoms. I, I don't know. He also was wearing these weird striped gloves and no one else looked like they wanted to be there. And I was like, Jesus Christ. This I, is like everything about that band, uh, when they, you know, they kicked out Doug and he wrote their yeah. best songs. And it's right. just like, yeah. I, I get it. I've been in bands with people that, like, I see both sides of that story, but it's also like, man, he's the one that made you all your money. <laughs> he wrote your best songs. By yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they cut, they really cut him out, right? Yeah, and, that breaks like, my that heart. Was a, that was like bad blood. I don't think I knew. I think I was just like, oh, I like these songs. I wasn't he like. He was, uh, yeah, he was an alcoholic. So they, uh kicked him out of the band and like that whole story is tragic but uh yeah 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 but all those uh, early songs are like drinking song you know serious. yeah yeah you can tell he was going through something <laughs> uh, uh right. well that's uh all right let's let's go on to something more positive sure, more your, positive uh, um is it me for a yeah, one i was glad yeah because i just did everclear so we're on to you oh, right 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 okay yeah so we're back to the good ones um what do I got here? Um, oh yeah, De La Soul. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I'm a huge, huge De La Soul fan. Uh, specifically, the second LP, De La Soul is dead. But I mean, I like them all. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see him on that tour, but I saw him on the Stakes Is High tour. Um, incidentally, at the exact same place that the Ramones played, uh, that heavy metal club. Um, I, I don't know what they never did hip hop shows there. Yeah. Uh, so it just so randomly, uh, Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul played there on the same, you know, same bill. Oh, uh, wow. Like, yeah, stakes, stakes is higher for De La Soul. And I was just like, just bowled over, happy to, you know, get to see them or whatever. They're, you know, just incredible. Oh, man. I love, uh, <laughs> I love both those bands. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's a double whammy. I was really, I was just as excited to see Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul together. Yeah. Like, that's, uh, that's free. Couldn't have worked great. out. It couldn't have worked out better for that one. That's like a real, I, I look back on that show as like very, very pleasant memories and, uh, happy to have been there. So, um, well, this is uh, that's that's great. This is gonna pale in comparison. I think you were actually at this show. Um, there was a I hope it's so, like you know, Lookout was huge for a lot of people. And sure, I was a big Lookout fan. Some of it, you know. Uh, and and Epitaph, Fat Wreck, all, like everybody had their. Mine was Hopeless Records. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. 
I loved Hopeless Records, and uh, uh, this was a band that broke up a lot because uh, they didn't get along, uh, and uh, you know went on to be two members of the band. We're in a very very successful band, um, and one of them still is. Uh, but I never thought I would get to see 88 Fingers Louie live. And, oh, yeah, sure, of course. Uh, they played at, uh, I think, Auto Bar uh, in Baltimore, and I... That wasn't uh, too long ago, right? I mean, yeah. like, five and, uh, years? Was that five years ago? It was before COVID. It was, it was. It was whenever, in 2019, I think, whenever, yeah. when uh, um, the newest uh, album came out. Thanks for being a friend. Yeah. Uh or thank you for being a friend, and uh, they were great. Uh, everybody else on that bill, I was not such a big fan of. Uh, I don't remember who else played, but there I was uh, Old Bay Thrashers Old and Pain. And it was oh, Pain! Wow, uh, that's some wild shit right there. That's yeah, some, like, but probably they not worth me. digging into. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, um, but I was so glad. Like that's what actually three out of these are. It's just bands. Yeah. I never thought I was going to get to see, and I did. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, 88 Fingers Louie, uh, they were great, too. They were, I mean, uh, it was just uh, Dennis and uh, Dan were in the band. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I would have, I'm sure you got to see them full band lineup. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw them a couple of times. We met them when I was roadieing for uh, Liar, uh, Cross My Heart or mm -hmm. Liar Academy. We we met them uh yeah, back then and uh yeah I mean I always yeah eighty eight is is awesome so and it was that was a great show that was it was uh, yeah. it was uh, basically I, we went out to that show specifically to see Dennis just to like yeah just, yeah like, hey I haven't seen you in forever <laughs> so, I uh, it, yeah. I mean like I got to see most of the other uh, big hopeless bands uh, in their prime so um but uh, that was one that just other hopeless bands. I mean, what do we got there? Like, uh, that's Sam I Am. They had the Sam I Am. I, well, and I've, I mean, that's like I don't. Do we even consider them really a hopeless band? Sam I Am is like a. Well, yeah, you're right. But they they put out Astray, <laughs> which is one of my favorite. Astray is great. Yeah, uh, I saw them had... every every tour. I saw Sam I Am every time they played in uh, Baltimore and in DC. I saw them with a uh, Snuff. Um, in like oh wow in like 90 89 90 and then yeah i saw him on the soar tour and like every astray you were freaking me out like every time they play it i love you are freaking me out is my favorite yes. sam i am record that it's, is my we can say it's the best nobody from sam i am is probably listening in here yeah <laughs> it, it is absolutely head and shoulders their best record yeah, it's great. Uh, many many great tracks on all their other records yes but that record. And they just is, put out a new EP and it was pretty good. I, uh, oh yeah, I have no doubt. But yeah, you were freaking me out as the slam dunk. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the perfect blend of where they were and where they went. And uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a great album. <laughs> it starts off great and and just builds up. Uh, yeah. So I probably uh, could. I mean, on you know, I could probably add seeing them on the "You Are Freaking Me Out" tour. Could easily be on this list. Yeah. I mean, some of these yeah. things we're talking about easily could replace other things. It's pretty arbitrary to just pick these things. But, yeah, it is. It is. You know, uh, no, you're yeah. absolutely right. All right. Uh, well, let's go on. What's what's our uh, our next one that uh, we are not excited about? Oh yeah. So I already had a. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, what we got here. You know what? I'm going to take it back to the '80s. And this is just a set. I went and saw uh, Iron Maiden okay. in uh, 1986, and it was the Somewhere in Time tour, so 86, 87. But the opening act was Inve Malmsteen, 
And uh, again, even at this age, which was like, you know, 15 for me or 16, yeah. something like that, just like technical prowess was not enough yeah. to keep my interest. It was just like one 45 minute long guitar solo with that yeah. no. <laughs> no, over top of you. it. And I was Iron Maiden, though. <laughs> uh, well, that and that's part of why I shoot, you know, because I had to sit through yeah. the Inve Malmsteen set to get to the Iron Maiden set. Yeah, that's brutal. Like, the that's Iron Maiden brutal. set was fucking incredible. Uh, but Inve Malmsteen, even again, as I mean, I was like a mulleted, long hair, mulleted, fifteen-year-old metalhead. So, but I was just like, I am not fucking having this, man. This fucking Inve was killing me. It was just like fucking destroying me. It was awful. And uh, later year, I found out that, um, at least I think, the when the Misfits broke up, the original Misfits broke yeah. up, Jerry and Doyle did that band Christ the Conqueror. Uh, the singer from Inve Malmsteen's band was the singer on that record. They, like, paid oh. him to, like, be the studio singer. Uh, oh. like, well, that record sucks, too, so there's... <laughs> uh well my uh my number three is probably gonna get me run out of richmond uh but i went and saw the revival tour and uh i'll be honest with you punk guys with acoustic guitar is one of my least favorite genres it's uh, not a great I, unless you're billy bragg yeah pretty it, much not uh, here for it <laughs> i saw tim barry uh-huh. uh, and it I mean, the people there loved it, and I just went, this is not – I mean, I hated it. Like, I left for you. I think, three yeah. songs in. I was just like, nope, I can't do this, and walked yeah. out. So mine is Tim Berry uh, solo is just not for me. So it couldn't uh, hang. I saw a veil a handful of times uh, at shows. I mean, being on the East Coast in the yeah. you know 90s or whatever, I saw them and always thought they were fine. I never saw Tim solo, as far as I know. But I am not fond of, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, again, unless you're Billy Bragg, I'm pretty much not here for it. So, yeah. You know. Well, uh, I mean, certain people transcend, and Billy Bragg transcends anything yeah. you throw at him. So. I do like, I mean, I like more, like, I guess, like, you know, I like some country stuff. So but, I can't hang with, like, yeah. you know, some, like, outlawy country Kind of we were like, going to see uh, Austin Lucas, uh, and yeah. I think Austin's fantastic, but uh, yeah. um, but Tim just uh, not not for me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, what's what's your number three? You're excited about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What I got Taylor Soul in there and Ramones already, right? So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'll say Gauze. Um, one of those bands that just like, you know. They only played the United States a few times in the 90s when I didn't have the budget to try to travel to see them in California. And no matter how much anybody tried, they never, you know, I think they played in Europe also at some point. They, they did a European tour, but also in the 90s. And, you know, no matter how hard people would try to get them to come back to the United States, they just, it never, ever seemed that it was going to happen and it never did they broke up you know somewhat recently so one of my trips to japan it just so happened that they were playing uh when i was going to be there so i felt like i mean one you know they're just incredible and this is like i mean 2006 Mm -hmm. i mean the dudes in the band were already well into their 50s at this point and they just obliterate i mean they just fucking destroyed you know what i mean like yeah 
just it was insane. It was just like one of the craziest. I mean, you can talk about bands get hyped or overhyped, yeah. or like people just like. Chat you see the Jesus like, lizard; oh. he still rips his shirt off every time. So, but like these guys were just like, it yeah. was no fucking around. They were just uh, <laughs> murdering <laughs> it. You know, this it was like absolutely perfect and crazy. And uh, I never got to see him again. And then they just split. You know, just finally just split like last year. And uh, you know, I, I really hold on to the fact that I got to at least catch him. Uh, you know, that one time. So that's a uh, yeah. When you said that, it maybe Cromax just played here and Harley's still playing with his shirt off. So uh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he earns it. He's yeah. Doing- he sure does. He's doing the pull-ups. Yeah, he, he's in better shape than I am. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, my number three is probably going to be one of the more recent artists on here. Uh, I saw this band once already, but by the time I saw them, but it's uh, State Lines is a mm-hmm. uh, you know is now Jade's gone on done Oso Oso and Oso Oso is huge great uh, good for him and I like Jade and I have become good friends. And I'd, I'd already seen them once, and it. But when I saw them at Fest, uh, I saw them in 1982, and it's just I remember they had all these signs up for no stage diving, and no crowd surfing, and the place was over capacity. And I just remember uh, one of my friends stage diving, and then or, or crowd surfing, I think is what. And as soon as that happened, just this wave of people went up in the air, and it was one of these. Just it was a magical show. Uh, for a band that I really did like, but it, it was a, where I fell in love with them. And just seeing that in that environment with these people that, you know, the cool thing about Fest is it's all these bands that don't draw well. I mean, some of the bigger ones do, but the lower levels, but all their fans get together in this one place and they all... Yeah, they get to, yeah. Yeah, and just getting to see them in that environment and this band that I was really starting to get into uh, and has blossomed into a really good friendship that's been, well, you know, years and years but just seeing them there and uh that place going nuts and watching just like all you know no crowd surfing and 10 people crowd surfing all around you because they were just so uh excited uh was just it was one of those really magical moments so yeah that's incredible yeah yeah Absolutely. all right let's uh let's hop on over to number two. Oh, this is my second though yeah. band disappointed yeah, so- so this one, yeah, disappointing. Uh, this is uh, Echo and the Bunny Men. Oh and, no! Um, so I, yeah, I, I love them. You know. Yeah. Uh, I had to work um, an HF festival. So WHFS is a local, or was a local DC kind of indie radio station, and they would do these uh, festivals every year, like indie radio stations do. And this particular year was huge. It was at RFK Stadium. So there was like, I don't even know. I mean, 10,000 people there, maybe more. Um, And that year was like the New York Dolls played, uh, the reunion New York Dolls. Mm -hmm. Um, The Foo Fighters played. uh, A lot of bands. Billy Idol played. And he played a bunch of Generation X songs. I mean, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, And my job, I was working it. So my job was to help push it was just pusher. You just push the gear up onto the stage and then roadies assemble it. And then you push the boxes back and just do that or whatever. But when you're not doing that, you can just sit on the side of the stage and look out over 10,000 people and just watch the band play from like, you know, five feet away, which is incredible when the band is having a great run or doing awesome things like the New York dolls were, or Billy Idol was, but brutal 
to the point of like painful embarrassment when it was Echo and the Bunny Men who came out to roaring applause. I mean, everybody was fucking hyped to see them, including me. They started to play Lips Like Sugar. So like arguably maybe one of their most known and popular songs. And as soon as they got to the part where the vocals started, it just all crumbled. I do not know what happened. Again, I don't play an instrument. I couldn't pin it on one member of the band. It just fell apart. One of those shows where everything falls apart. And the crowd just fucking lacerated them, booing. Oh, no. They just walked off the stage. And this is, like, not a 1,000 people. Again, we're talking, like, 10,000 people. They come back on after five minutes, start to play Lips Like Sugar again. It falls apart in the exact same spot. The crowd completely loses its fucking mind at that point. And then they just walk off and never come back. <laughs> like, I know they've played since then and the shows have been fine. I mean, they're an amazing band. I have no clue what happened that night. Maybe it's even online somewhere because it was such an epic. I'll have to look that up. Epic fucking fail, like a double fail. You know, it would have been yeah. bad if they had just walked off and never came back. But the fact that they came back out, tried again, failed, and then walked off. Brutal. <laughs> uh that echo show sounds uh heartbreaking. Uh, it was heartbreaking because I like them so much. It yeah. was sad to see it happen. So um all right. Well mine uh is the complete polar opposite of that. It's man, I had no interest in seeing. They were it was at uh one of those like uh end of summer radio shows. Mm-hmm really popular you know when Lollapalooza and Warped Tour were taken off the, and uh I don't even know who I was excited to see that day but we walked by and one of the people I was with really wanted to see Papa Roach oh wow Papa Roach and so in a place where they had multiple stages going on and I could have walked away we watched uh maybe 30 minutes of of Papa Roach and it was one of the worst shows I have ever seen in my life. Uh, there was a part where he was just smashing himself in the head with the microphone. And uh, it because it was, you know, microphone was amplified so much because you're, you know, outdoor yeah. fest. It was just this loud feedback crack, just constantly booming over the speakers. And I like it stuck with me because of just how bad everything about uh that show like they're they sounded terrible i did not care about the band even if they sounded good it's still papa roach (laughs) yeah i was just like so not only were they uh you know bad uh they were a band i didn't want to see and i mean i've seen some disappointing shows i've seen lots i mean i've seen eve six multiple times and at least they put on a good show like they yeah. were, they were always with somebody else I wanted to see. Yeah. Sure, uh, but at least they were good live. So you can, I can sit through a band I don't care about if at least they're engaging, entertaining. But just oh, sure, of course, frat boy banter, terrible. Like everything about it was just. I mean, I think he was, he was going by Kobe Dick at that point, and I was just like, wow. I was like, what a great name. Like it was awful, awful. Worst, worst show. <laughs> One of the worst shows I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, so my number two, uh, somebody I didn't want to see, but uh, I had to anyway. Papa Roach. Uh, yeah. Oh man, that's rough. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, 
is it number two or number one of uh number two football? of our our favorites so. okay number two so my number two is uh is uh pharaoh sanders who is a jazz player and he unfortunately just passed away not not super long ago um i don't normally make it to a lot of jazz shows and a lot of the jazz performers that i would want to see either they just don't make it to this area or they're already deceased you know in the case of pharaoh sanders uh he played in dc at a place called the uh um bohemian caverns which was like an old jazz club and it's like more of like a sit-down dinner situation like you would have a meal and and watch uh you know, jazz group play. And so that was the situation here. And yeah, I mean, again, rare for me to see uh, a jazz player that I like has played on so many insane records that I love. And he played with John Coltrane. He has an incredible amount of solo records that are amazing. He played with Alice Coltrane, just incredible. And um, yeah, he was just, uh, he was just amazing. And it was just great to see. Um yeah, that is absolutely my number two. I don't even have anything really else to say about it. It was just like a really magical, awesome show. Yeah. I was very happy to be there, and I don't go to many jazz shows, so it's like a completely different vibe than any of the punk or hardcore indie shows that I go to, and it was just like a total environment situation where I was just very, very happy. That's uh, That sounds... I saw a guy named Pierre Ben Suzan, uh, who was a, like a classical guitarist, mm-hmm. uh, and it was at on my college campus. And I just remember sitting like it was a seated show, right? Uh, which I didn't do a lot of those, especially in those days. And just watching him, it was magical. Like this guy was—I didn't even really know him uh, before, I, but I sat down. And uh, when it's a great, you know, sometimes it's just great. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like, wow, this is incredible. How did I get to see this? So yeah. I get it, man. That's yeah. a that's a cool show. Yeah. Um. All right. So now, uh, yeah, number one worst. The, the worst. The worst uh, is uh, what? What was the worst? Uh, your biggest regret? Or oh man, I mean, look, or you know, regret is the right word, but just yeah. like, anger inducing, yeah. like just you know. I, I, uh, here's the thing. I mean. I really, I'm not trying to drag this one too long. I've oh, seen, some, I've seen some unbelievable horseshit in my fucking life. I mean, I have really seen some fucking shit. I saw Striper in 1986. I saw fucking Insane Clown Posse. I saw Blaze Your Dead Homie. I've seen some like. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually jealous of all three of those. Just <laughs> that I, like, <laughs> I, I mean. I wouldn't have enjoyed it, but I would have enjoyed it as a spectacle, I think. I saw Cinderella and Night Ranger in, like, 1985. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody had given me a cool tape, maybe I could have seen Black Flag. Nope. I was just... (laughs) My first show that I was... not at all. I was going to go see Striper. I get it. Uh, Yeah, I saw Bon Jovi. I saw Bon Jovi um, on the Slippery One Wet Tour. So <laughs> I saw him on the New Jersey tour because I'm a yeah. little bit younger than you. I but I was geeked out about it yeah. because I think I I mean I was it was you know I was, was hyped. That motherfucker flew. I would just watch the Living on a Prayer video. Yeah. Then I went to the show and that motherfucker flew out over the crowd like he did in the Living on a Prayer video. And you know what? I can put that as no. I mean I could just easily make that number one of my favorite show. You know the feeling I had at age 15 or 14. Yeah. 
when I saw Bon Jovi fly out over the crowd. I don't know that I've had that feeling many times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. After it. But then you could get into, do you really, you know, those yeah. feelings that you have when you're like a young, impressionable yeah. kid yeah. seeing things for the first time. Are you really going to recreate you know what I mean? The first time you, yeah, you're for that's it's a novel experience that first time. So yeah, yeah. I I never I missed all those like early straight edge shows in 1988 because I was busy seeing King Diamond and Creator, uh, you know, and I didn't know anything about anything. But then when I got to see Gorilla Biscuits in 2006, it, it was almost the same. It was like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it was like I had almost that same feeling of like just utter elation at like seeing something in front of me, you know, that made me really happy. So any of those shows could be on my best of list and a hundred could be on my worst list. But uh, I really, really, really fucking hate this band, Black Dice. Um, they are, uh, uh, oh yeah, they're, well, you know, they have, they have two different uh, existences. Okay. Uh, when I saw them, they were like a chaotic screamo. Okay. And, um, I mean, I would, put them in the same category as other bands that I dislike heavily, which is like Lightning Bolt and uh, Airborne Radar. Okay. Um, just, you know, 90s chaotic yeah. Yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, what really put Black Dice over the top for me was that they enjoyed swinging their instruments and purposefully trying to hit and hurt people that were in the crowd. Oh, yeah. Um, they were not really what you would call a huge band, but they were somewhat hyped. You know what I mean? People legitimately liked them. So... I saw them a couple of times, and even though it wasn't like they played, in, you know, when I saw them, they weren't playing in front of 100 or 200 people. They were playing in front of, like, 30 or 40 people who were, like, dedicated and really liked them and were there to see them. And they just took absolute glee, apparently, in hurting these people. I mean, like, yeah. really trying, not just, like, oh, we're going to go crazy, and if somebody gets hit, they get hit more like we're going to do that but we're going to make sure somebody gets Weaponizing, it yeah that's you no know? and uh at the time i remember being you know one i didn't like their music and uh but like it really really wore me down that they acted that way you know trying to hurt hurt people that were in the crowd it was really uh you know distasteful to me and you you see other bands do it i mean dillinger escape plan uh, if I remember correctly, I can't. Ex I, I think I only ever saw them once, but I think that guy throws his guitar out pretty hard, uh, trying to catch people with it pretty often. But this was even this was before that, and it was really distasteful. I remember being really upset and uh, you know uh, you know bothered by it. And uh, so yeah, it was a combo of like not only just disliking the music heavily, but the people. But like yeah, their actions just being like terrible. They had, they had a second life. They still exist, uh, except that now they play like incredibly boring, pretentious, like fucking art shit, and don't do that anymore. Uh, so then you know they're still hated, but just for like another by me, uh, but just for like the complete opposite end of the spectrum, you know. So I, I feel like the people that go to see them nowadays probably wouldn't know or remember. You know what I mean? Their yeah. uh, earlier incarnation of uh, trying to hurt people. But I always thought it would be funny to maybe show up at one of their new boring-ass shows and just, like, smack them in the fucking face. Just start crying. Um, you know, just like, hey, just because, just because you're – yeah, just because you're over, you know what I mean, your, your fucking shitty behavior doesn't mean that uh, nobody remembers it.
You know, yeah. what I mean? so boy, I really fucking hate that band. And I saw them a couple of times and they're also a representation of like, I had to sit through a lot of that kind of uh, yeah. screamo at the time. And I was really not fond of it. So everything from drones dream and, Usurp Synapse to Black Dice to Airborne Radar. I know these are bands that people like, and I feel bad. Like it's almost trolling how much I hate them, but I really, 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 really dislike them. So they get to take the top. Uh, they yeah. get to take the top spot for me. I, I do realize uh, we never did our number two on bands we loved. I don't think so. We'll have to do really that. Not? Was it the was Pharaoh Sanders the number two for me? I thought it was. It, it was. I didn't do mine. Ah, oh, you didn't do yours. Uh, oh yeah, I'll, jump in. Yeah, what's your number that, two? And then I'll do my most hated. I screwed. I was up. so I was so hated. My number one most hated was so hated. I had to just jump right over yeah. you. To get to it. <laughs> no, uh, yours is yeah, way you more intense. Okay. Uh, well, my my number two was a cheat anyway. I talked about both these shows earlier, uh, but it was Jawbreaker because I got to see them in Jawbox, and there's more just. The job bands because they're so linked in a lot of ways anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I got to see both of them and I never thought I would get to see either one of them. So uh, it's more just I've already talked about those shows, but it was amazing getting to see them. Uh, they opened with box. The only thing that was a bummer about seeing Jawbreaker was Prophets of Rage played right before them. And there's literally no way that they were going to match that energy. Uh, just the energy was tough. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Prophets of Rage was amazing, but I. I have seen Jawbreaker many times. They've been great. Uh, but I, I was glad to see the jaw boxes. But uh, my reviled uh, is uh, – so I was a big Hopeless fan. Um, and I, so when I was in high school, I really loved Digger and Mustard Plug. And they toured together. And I went down to Atlanta to see them. I, was, I lived in North Carolina. And they were on a tour package with Ugly Duckling – and Long Beach Dub All Stars. Ah, Long Beach Dub All Stars, right? That's I know I know Digger and uh, yeah. When I worked at the old record store in the '90s, the one I didn't own, uh, we ordered all the hopeless stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. So those bands, uh, but uh, yeah, Long Beach Dub All Stars. That's related to. There's a Sublime connection. Sublime, there. yeah. It was right, Sublime okay. after Bradley Noel died, and uh, and Ugly Duckling was two white boy rappers. Always a dicey proposition. Uh, and so I liked Mustard Plug. I liked Digger. I was excited to be there. I was ambivalent towards uh, Sublime. I'm not much of a Sublime fan uh, at all now. Uh, but back then I was like, whatever. But uh, Ugly Duckling was just terrible. Uh, and uh, I don't generally like white rappers anyway. Uh, I mean, there are some that are really good at it, but... They were every bad white rapper stereo up there in the 90s, and uh, they they went for, like, 45 minutes. So I was just sitting there, like, clawing at my skin. <laughs> I had to sit through um, – uh, so I Digger Open, then Ugly Duckling, then Mustard Plug. Uh, thankfully, when Long Beach Dub came on, I was with my sister – uh and she did not particularly carry this so we did not stay through all of that so that doesn't push them as, up as high but uh i, I probably they that probably would have been awful too if i had to sit through that but ugly yeah. duckling was uh god just that is the worst show i've ever seen like i can it sticks with me 
Like, I don't remember them. I just remember sitting there going, I can't believe I have to sit through this. And they kept going. Like, every I'm going like, to look it up. I'm going to look them up after this. I'm it not it might not be as bad, like, as I'm remembering it. But at that time, man, I was just sitting there. Like, every time they started another song, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, again? Again? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the best thing about talking about this kind of stuff is, right, none of it might be as bad as we yeah. remember. And the good stuff might not be as good as we remember. You know, yeah. it's just, it's just memory, you yeah, know, We're just like yeah. every, hitting everybody different. You know, I have yeah. no doubt that there are people that like saw the same Black Dice show as me and would be like, that was That's the greatest best moment of my life. Best fucking thing I've ever yeah. seen. You know yeah. what I mean? Or again, people that saw the Ramones at that show that I saw them at and were just like, no DD, fuck this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> sucks. And like straight up walk out. Oh. So. That's the beauty of, you know, human memory and different ages yeah, yeah. and people's opinions about things. So um, so what's your number one? So I swapped it out halfway All um, right. because I've been thinking about these things only really as like music, you know, yeah. or whatever. But this one's a double one. I, I remember uh, Sam I Am. Uh, I saw Sam I Am in Baltimore in, around 1991 and – at, oh, wow. And they were incredible, and it was at a really tiny, tiny little house. It wasn't a house show, but it was like it may as well have been a house. Yeah. Show. And uh, but at that show, I met three of my best friends: uh, this guy Greg and Dan, and this guy Conan. And I'm still friends to, with all three of them. And I didn't have a lot of friends at the time, and it was like a really great moment, super organic, where I was there and they were there, and we all just like met and started talking and immediately the next day started going to shows together and like just like had like a really great friendship that's like never stopped so yeah i was just thinking about this list in more of like a funny music way yeah but when we were chatting about sam i am i was just like you know what actually i forgot that i met those dudes at that show and that might be like my absolute you know that's one of my favorite things that happened amazing. That, <laughs> I mean, that's the power of like this this especially this scene that uh, we kind of exist in too right yeah. it's like the people that love this really love it. And it makes like it's people that care about a lot of the same stuff that we care about. And it's yeah. great. Uh, what was your other, what was your original number one? Oh, I think it wasn't number one. I think, uh, I, oh, think number one, I think number one was going to be the Ramones and I just switched it out. You know, right, I think enough. I probably, I think somewhere floating in there was probably the fastbacks. Who, oh, uh, man. I'm just like, oh, in. Oh, you know what? It, you know, well, it could have been the Fastbacks, but also Bloodthirsty Butchers. All uh, right. Two bands that, like, because the same thing happened for both of them. I went to a show to see another band, and the Fastbacks just happened to be opening. And I, like, walked in and was just like, oh, it was the Super Suckers. It was the right. Super Suckers and the Fastbacks together in, like, wow. I don't know what year. And, and um, I just walked in, and I was like, what the yeah man and the fastbacks just murdered it i mean i was like immediately i'm gonna buy every single record that this band has ever released and you know follow them like a maniac for the rest of my life which i did and do um and it was just unexpected it was unexpected and i went to a show in tokyo uh i was there to see a japanese band called razor's edge but it was like a it was a kind of a fest thing not like a big one but where it was like Different venues, different shows, but they were all within a block or so of each other. And I was waiting for, oh, I was waiting for Melt Banana to play. Melt Banana was playing, and this band Bloodthirsty Butchers played before them. And I know they were a long-standing band. You know, mm-hmm. they had 
release it. They had some songs on some comps on K Records in the United States, and they have a split with um, a Rocket from the Crypts on Pusshead's label, maybe. Okay. I think there's a Rocket from the Crypt split. But I wasn't familiar with them at all. And then they played, and I was, again, just like, away. the whole fucking sky opened up. And yeah. it, like, it sounded like half Sonic Youth and half Shoegaze, just like insanity. That sounds amazing. I mean, I was I've, like, never, I've never listened to them. I'm going to check them out now. So, uh... It was just like the second they started, I was like, oh, this is my new favorite band. Like, this yeah. is in fucking sane. I cannot believe that I've never heard any of these records. They're insane. And that guy unfortunately passed away like less than a year later after uh, after that show. Oh, wow. So then it was like doubly, yeah. yeah, retrospectively, I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad I walked into that show early, uh, you know, because I never would have seen them otherwise and then yeah. never would have had a chance, so... Wow, that's a man. You got great stories. I love it. <laughs> well, I want to do a follow up sometime. Uh, Sorry, no fucking. I can babble uh, about this shit forever. Uh, well, my number one um, uh, was a British band uh, from like mid '80s or late '80s, really. And uh, uh, you know, they broke up, got back together, broke up. Uh, now they'll probably never get back together. But Frankie still plays music. But I got to see Leatherface yeah. twice. And, uh, man, I, uh, God, what I just love Leatherface and, yeah. uh, I went and saw him at the fest and then I saw him again when they did the tour with yesterday's ring and, uh, uh, they so infrequently toured the United States, but I got lucky cause I got to see him twice and I, yeah. I just, both shows were so memorable and I got to meet Frankie at the second one and, uh, he was rolling a handmade cigarette <laughs> and I was just like, uh what a perfect moment like that is yeah. exactly what i expected you to do <laughs> yeah 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 we i mean that's like a whole nother world leatherface are one of my favorite bands ever yeah. and we went to me and my friends went to every single show that was close to us every time they came to the united states so as soon as they they played in baltimore on the very first tour when the hot winter music split came out yeah. and we saw them then we saw them in lancaster we saw them at the fest that tour yeah with and without Dickie Hammond, like yeah. every single time that we could. Because we were collecting those records before they got back together and we're like, well, this is never, I mean, we will, they were broken yeah. up. We yeah. will never see them. So when they did get back together, you know, we were like, holy fucking shit. We're going yeah. to every fucking show. So we liked it. I saw them like at the drive-in, opened up for them in like, in Pennsylvania. I was just like, get the fuck off the stage. That's yeah. another one where I was just like, <laughs> I saw people, the drive in live and they were not good. So when I saw them, so. they weren't even bad. They they had a lot of energy. Yeah. But I was there. But I was there to see Leatherface. Yeah, you know, that's all. I understand. <laughs> I understand. What's your What's your number one Leatherface record? Oh, uh, well, you know, I mean, it's always the battle between Mush and Minx. Uh, my cats are named Mush and Minx. Oh, nice. How much I love Leatherface. Yes. Uh, it's just the eternal battle between those two records, you know. It's, I, it's mine is a, a curveball, and then mine is fill your boots. Oh, fill your boots! Incredible. I mean, you know, that you just could have said anything, and yeah. I, I would never have shit on any yeah. choice that you made because <laughs> there's no bad ones. One of one of my all-time favorites, and uh, just the band I never thought I was gonna get to see live, and yeah. they did not 
they did not fail to impress. I mean, they were just saying they were awesome. So every uh, show, every show was as good as the show that I'd seen before, yeah. with them, and every show was like the best thing that I had ever seen. I could have put leather. I mean, I obviously could have put Leatherface. You know, number one. I mean, it was insane seeing them every time. So. I mean, any, any there's so many shows that could be on, like you said. But uh, hey, Tony, I really appreciate your time, man. It's been great talking with you. Awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, it, thanks for having me on. Sorry to blather on too much. No, man, it's been great. It's been great. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. We'll we'll have to do this again. We'll have to pick something else. Uh, maybe next again. Week yeah, we'll circle back and 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 find another topic. But uh, hey, man, good luck with everything. I uh, hope. Hope the sales boom keeps going, and uh, next time I'm in Baltimore, I'll stop by. So, all right, do it. Take it easy.